In our church, in the evening service, we are going through the book of Deuteronomy, so you're just hearing what we would normally be preach, preaching in our own church. I decided that we would just continue through the book, uh, and that's why we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was written by Moses. Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by Moses. Most theologians agree. The setting of the book of Deuteronomy is just after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness prior to entering the promised land. So Moses, before he dies, is telling this generation, before they enter the promised land, all that God expects of them. And he's remembering all of the faithfulness of God throughout the time of their travels. The first generation, three, sorry, through 46. Deuteronomy 1, 34 through 46. So hear this inspired word of God. Moses said, And the Lord heard your words, and was angered. And he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with me, the Lord was angry on your account and said, You also shall not go from there. You also shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for your little ones, whom you said would become prey, and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or not it easy to go up to the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up and fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, and you would not listen. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord, and presumptuously went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived in the hill country came out against you, and chased you as bees do, and beat you down in Seir as far as Hormah. And you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice or give ear to you. So you remained at Kadesh many days, the days that you remained there. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray once again. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we come to this text of your holy scripture, and we pray that you would indeed help us to understand this word, and that your Holy Spirit would do his work in life. He said, I'm a child of Abraham, redeemed from slavery in Egypt, brought through the Red Sea, and now following God through the wilderness of this life. He correctly understood that the people who lived in the wilderness for 40 years were there as an example for us. That's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So when we see them suffering and when we see them in dire straits because of their disobedience, it's an instruction for us. So the title of the sermon is Rebellion and Consequences. This is what the people of Israel saw. Consequences of the effective things at destroying a unit's effectiveness. Sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes the leadership is just bad. That's why we have non-commissioned officers, NCOs, who can be the go-between between the bad leader and the troops that are carrying out the orders. 
But regardless, it's expected that there will be no grumbling or complaining. Orders will be carried out and fulfilled, or else the unit cannot function effectively. We see this a little bit in this particular text. These people, these Israelites, who are much like us, they were grumbling in their unbelief. In verse 26 of chapter 1, God had told them to go into the promised land, and it says they rebelled against the, the command of God. They murmured in their tents. This is the same word for grumbled. They murmured and grumbled in their tents and said, Because the Lord has hated us, he brought us out here to destroy us. God heard the grumbling of the people in their tents. They were grumbling because they came out. He defeated the superpower of the day with a mighty hand and led out his own people. He brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. He gave them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai and made a covenant with these people. He led them with fire by night and a cloud by day, fire to bring warmth, a cloud to provide shade, but also a visible manifestation of God's presence. And then he took them almost directly to Canaan for the invasion. And this is where they rebelled against God. They did not believe the Lord. They grumbled in their hearts. They grumbled in their tents. They said that God actually hated them. They did not believe the Lord their God. So the instruction for us, I believe, is when you have a difficult situation in your life, you could be in a very difficult situation even right now. Don't grumble against the Lord. Pray to God. Always listening. He knows the murmuring of your heart. He knows what you're saying in your tent. What did he say to this generation in the wilderness? He said, none of these wicked generation, this evil generation, will see the good land that I swore to give your fathers. None of them. Why were they evil? Because in spite of all of his goodness and his faithfulness and all of the miracles that they had seen, they said, oh, God hates us. This is too hard. God hates us. This is rooted in unbelief. This is the heart of the unforgivable sin that Christ talks about. Unbelief. You remember when Jesus was casting out demons and the Pharisees said, Oh, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he cast It's blasphemy. But in the wilderness, the people called God's goodness and love. They called it evil and hatred. They said God hated them. But not everybody. Remember, there were two. Caleb and Joshua, who did not call God evil or wicked, they believed God. They were wholly following the Lord. In the Hebrew text, it says they were totally filled up with God. This is what we want to be, totally filled up with God. There were others as well who said were able to enter the promised land. The children. The children were able to, to enter the promised land. The very ones who their fathers and mothers thought would be prey for their enemies. God said, no, you will die in the wilderness. But your children. I like Frank Sinatra. Does anyone else like Frank Sinatra? I love his music. One of his most famous songs is I Did It My Way. It's a wonderful song. I love that song. Theologically, it's a horrible song. But that's what the Israelites are saying. 
I'm going to do it my way. And if you look at Frank Sinatra, I don't believe he knew the Lord. I love his singing. But at the end of his life, he was still proud. He was proud of all that he did, all of his decisions. And he said, I wouldn't change a bit of it. I did it my way. This seems to be the theme song of the Israelites right now. They're saying, I'm going to do it my way. I know we said we wouldn't go into the promised land, and you've commanded us. We went up into the hill country. Well, before we point our fingers too closely at these Israelites, we need to remember that when you are pointing your finger out, there's some fingers pointing back at you, aren't there? This also is for us. We need to consider our own presumption, our own presumption against God. If you have faith and trust in God, are there things that you continue to do anyway that you know are sinful and wrong? The Bible says not to be prideful or anxious or bitter or rude or gossip or lustful or greedy or grumbly? Do you say yes with your mouths to God, but then you harbor these sins in your own hearts? Do you decide that you're just going to do whatever you want? This is presumption. It's presuming on God's grace. I would ask you today, if this is your heart, if you know that there are, there are secret places in your heart where sin is able to grow us, that we might not desire evil as they did their lives were an example for us, written down for our instruction. So we can learn much from these people who seem so rebellious. We can learn much. We can learn from the lessons that they, indeed, should have learned. With so many things in the world today, don't you often think, I wish these people had seen what I saw in my life, the lessons that our country has learned, the history of our own country, if the younger generation only could listen to the, to the wisdom of history, they could learn. Don't you sometimes wonder, can we not learn these same lessons in our country today? Can't we remember our own history? Well, certainly I think we should remember as a church the history of the people of Israel. And like the people of Israel, we face a choice. I'm going to conclude with just this, this admonition to you. We also face a choice to obey God like they did or to reject Him and do things my way. At the end of your life, do you really want to say, I did things my way? Or do you want to say, I did things God's way? We can submit to God's Word. We can submit to His Savior, to His Son. Or we can reject it all and decide to do things my way. Billions and billions of people do that very thing. They know the gospel of Jesus Christ and they choose to do things their way. And I'm not talking about setting up an idol in your room, a golden idol committed to evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They chose to ignore God and make a God in their own image, to hew out their own cisterns rather than, than drink the living water. It's as if they're standing by a beautiful, wonderful waterfall. Has anyone ever been to Niagara Falls, seen that beautiful waterfall flowing over the cliff and down into the, into the lake below? It's as if we're standing next to that 
and seeing this wonder if that represents Christ in his word. And right next to us is a muddy puddle. And we would rather worship and drink of this muddy puddle than the wonderful pure water from the waterfall. How is that so? If you reject Christ, you reject his word, or do you live for yourself? Do you love Jesus? Do you love yourself? Do you think about the kingdom of God? Or do you think about mostly yourself? God sent his only son who died on the cross. He took the wrath that was meant for each of you. And he took it on himself. It was an eternity of hell he took on himself. And he died and was raised on the third day for the justification of all who would believe in him. And he will come again, my friends, in glory to judge both the living and the dead. So today I ask you, if you do not have faith in Christ, turn to Jesus Christ today. The Bible says everyone who comes to him in faith, he will not turn away. Feel dry. Come to the living water. That's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through Him. We're going to turn now 